the world of the unknown, and some would say, unbelievable. Pigman, Pigman, I don't know. People will know we're not Canadian at this point. Please. And that one is a, a true of... story. scared the crap out of me at first, and I thought, wow. All right. Let's just have fun. Yeah, exactly. If it doesn't work, let's try it again. Yeah, that's right. We could just try it again next week or something, or... We'll just, no, we'll just get back together at midnight. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Let you take a little power nap, get back up. Let me get a power nap in. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come out with no, my hair uncombed and the hair off. <laughs> there we go. I think people would love it. <laughs> I don't care. Me either. Over the last few episodes of this podcast, I had been calling the show Creatures of the Night, which I thought was a pretty cool name. Turns out it is a cool name. So cool, in fact. So cool? <laughs> so cool, in <laughs> fact, that another podcast already has it. Thanks to my wonderful wife, Sarah, for pointing this out to me. So I apologize to the other podcast for not doing my due diligence in the naming department. You are listening to the new and improved version of this podcast, which is really just the same podcast. Right <laughs> <laughs> what was that? But you wouldn't know by listening to the beginning. <laughs> the new That's and improved. Right. No. <laughs> New and approved podcast, which is, which is really just the same podcast, just a new name. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shame on the Night. I'm your host, Eric Burton. On this podcast, we discuss historic crimes, myth, urban legends, the paranormal, and the macabre. Today, <sighs> no, again, scaring me. <laughs> Too scared already? Should we pump the yeah. brakes? Too scary? Wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> All right. All right. Got to get yourself together. <laughs> I'm good. Get ready for the booze. <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying my booze. I already have, and I'm probably going to get more. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's what this podcast is all about. Having some fun. Oops. There's that idiot that during the podcast didn't silence his phone. <laughs> Did you hear it? <laughs> I didn't. But I'm sure the mic picked it up. Today we have, again, guest host, my dad, Rick Burton. Say hello to the people out there, Pops. That's me, the guy over here starting trouble. <laughs> over here just hey, shotgun and beers. For listening. Do it. <laughs> so I trained him well, my boy. Proud <laughs> of that boy. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to talk about what? This, the old Montana State Prison again. Yep, this we week we a, are. Our we're... last podcast. Yeah. Uh, how long ago was that? <laughs> a couple months ago when we recorded that? I mean, maybe even longer. I don't even remember. Yeah. And, uh, people might have listened to it and forgotten all about us. So we're going to have to really push this one. Hey, good thing I haven't posted any of these yet. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I made that mistake once and posted one and then didn't do another one for three months. And yeah. that, and well, and that's exactly what I'm trying to. I had to, no numbers. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm trying to avoid. All right. All right. Back to the show. Back to the show. Let's get back. <laughs> so this week we are continuing our dive into old Montana prison in Deer Lodge, Montana. Last week we investigated the beginnings of the facility and the construction that continued for decades after the initial structure was built. We also talked about Warden Frank Conley, who was a mainstay at the prison in some capacity for well over 30 years. And a tough guy. Oh, yeah tough bastard mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
This week, I wanted to get into some of the characters that called Montana State Prison home. These men and women were famous, quote unquote famous, or at least higher. Infamous. (laughs) Infamous is a good word. Yeah. So they were infamous or at least higher profile for several reasons, such as just longevity within the prison, their high drama court case, or just attempting to escape. Let's get into some Mm. of the colorful characters they called Old Montana Prison Home. Okay. I'm going to learn along with you folks, because I don't know much about these folks. That's right. That's kind of how I built this podcast is (laughs) letting the... uh, the co-hosts go in blind, pretty much. And he has scared me a couple of podcasts, so get ready to listen. <laughs> the one with a tunnel. There's a ton of information, and yeah, so this one's not quite as loaded as the next episode will be. This one's a little bit lighter. <laughs> Quote-unquote right. lighter. There'll be some... Uh, so, got some famous prisoners. Famous prisoners. I'll, I'll probably point out some... Uh, "Quote unquote gold star moments." If it gets grisly, gold star. Yeah, if it gets oh, too really? grisly or gross, I'll call it out before we really get into it. Oh no! Don't stop it. No. <laughs> well, we'll let the uh, we'll let the people leave know the grisly- in case they want to skip over it. You leave the grisliest parts to the end, so the people will wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> Build the suspense. Not and then and after the next break. <laughs> Yeah, when when people actually want to pay to be on our podcast, let's hope that happens. (laughs) And coming up after the break. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So our first couple of infamous prisoners that we'll talk about are two well-known lifers at the prison or within the prison system in general. And they were at Montana. Yep. They made their homes at Deer Lodge at different times. Mike Foley, and Paul Turkey Pete Eitner. Each received a fair amount of... Turkey Pete! Each received a fair (laughs) amount of publicity because of their longevity at the prison. That makes me think of Bill Paxton for some reason. Turkey Pete! I can see that. Oh! I can see that. Oh, Club Dread. That's Mm. why... Yeah, absolutely. No, it's fine. (laughs) We need a little bit of levity. (laughs) Because it's going to get... Especially the third, Gruesome. third episode, or the third part of this These guys series. Murderers is what, what I'm reading here. Well, All we'll we'll, murder. we'll find out. Oh, okay. So yeah, each of them, you know, had a fair amount of publicity back in the days of uh, <laughs> not a lot of entertainment. So people so, love well, to hear these I types of stories. Town to read the newspaper to you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so. They were they were at the prison at different times in history, mm-hmm. you know, not locked up together. Probably a good thing. <laughs> right. Both had been <laughs> convicted of murder, although they were, again, like I said, not locked up times. at the same time. Foley was convicted of murder in 1878 after he initially escaped prison for a different crime. And while on the loose, he killed Wellington Fredericks, his former employer. Foley suspected that Fredericks was cheating him out of money that was owed to him. Foley became angry and threatened violence. He was arrested for this incident and was unable to make the $1,000 bond, which 1878, 1879, $1,000, that's a lot of money. Yes. They're probably about 25, 30 grand nowadays. Right, yeah. 
Yeah, I got to be better about uh, <laughs> looking up the uh, conversion rates because I'm always curious when I read these and I never oh, actually I, put oh, them in. I, I always do. I got I We have options. I'm going to find right? out. Right? Yeah. The Google machine. I got one in my hand. I got one in front of me. <laughs> yeah. So he was unable to make that $1,000 bond. So he went to jail. Mm, that was a lot of money back in the $1,000 back then. $1,000 is a, lot a of money. ton of money. I, was thirty six thousand dollars. I just looked it up. Wow, thirty six. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to post that bond. But I guess I think with bonds, you only have to post what like some percentage of the bond, right? So if you had if you owned a home, yeah, I'm not real familiar with it. Yeah, I probably me should be. Well, I mean, maybe maybe <laughs> that's a good thing that we're not familiar with the, <laughs> the system and how that is. works. And if I was, I wouldn't, I wouldn't admit it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I have a story to tell you. <laughs> no. All right. We'll get into that. <laughs> off air. This show is not gonna get... <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, so he wasn't able to, to post the thousand dollar bond. So he went to jail. This is when he was able to pull off an escape was on the loose for about two weeks on September oh, okay. 16th. So again, we're in 1878. September 16th, mm-hmm. Foley burst into Frederick's home armed with a gun. Foley demanded mm-hmm. the money that was owed to him. Frederick's hearing the commotion while in the other room, armed himself and confronted Foley. The two men shot at each other simultaneously and both fell to the floor. Foley, uninjured, scrambled to his feet, grabbed a butcher's knife, and finished killing Frederick's. He was <laughs> Butcher's knife in... In 1878, oh, I mean, they probably you're not making it. They probably took pride in their uh, cutting utensils back then. Oh, I bet it was sharp. Cutting through their own and meat, big. own yeah, stuff yeah. that they've hunted. Ooh, oh yeah, uh, probably better than a dull one. Then I think I'd rather... absolutely <laughs> just getting yeah. bludgeoned by a a knife instead of just cut up by it. Yeah, just getting bruised and battered. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah. Fredericks brutally murders Fredericks in that two weeks that he's out on the loose in the yep two weeks after he escaped from prison and found Fredericks at his home. So what happened to Foley after that? He was captured shortly captured? after that. Okay. Stood trial and received a life sentence for the crime. Oh, Foley spent. Wait, so he went to Montana State Prison. Foley spent almost 50 years as a prisoner at Montana State Prison. Ooh, 50 years. That's 50 almost my years. Whole life. Well, that's what happens when you uh, break into somebody's house somebody. and kill them with a butcher's knife. 50 yeah. years, I'm assuming he died in prison. Or yes, he did die in prison. Yeah, so, did he? So, so he died in 1928, probably. Yep. Well, like, 50 years, yeah. yeah. Well... I think it was around 1879 or 1880 was when he finally went to prison. He died. I think it was 1879. So, yeah, 1929. Yep. Gone about 100 years. Yeah. So that was the story. That was our first infamous prisoner. We don't know. Is he he still within the walls of Montana State Prison or old Montana prison? Old Montana prison. I want to go there. We should uh, meet up there. You'd probably have to Just in, yeah. fly into like Missoula or something. I'll fly to Seattle. We'll go to the Maiden show out there next fall. They just don't the show. 
All right. So the second convict we will uh, talk about tonight. Are we into that? Yep. We're going to get into Turkey Pete Eitner, who was convicted for murdering Joseph Nugent, for whom he barely Ken's knew. Great-grandfather. Great-great-grandfather. <laughs> oh, maybe just great. I mean, Nugent's got to be, Ted Nugent's got to be, what, in his 70s at this point? Call on the wild! <laughs> so he barely knew Joseph Nugent. <laughs> the two men shared a boarding house, and one evening in January 1918, Eitner picked up his 38 revolver, walked down the hall, and fired three times at the fellow lodger. Huh. Why? Why, indeed. Nugent would die three days later, which is brutal. Just, oh, God, I am so thankful for modern That's, medicine. Yeah. You know, I mean, even absolutely. if you do die three days later from a gunshot nowadays, at least there's enough drugs to dope you up and kill the pain for the You're most part. You're not feeling shit. Exactly. But yeah. just imagine how yeah. brutal that is back in 1918. They would have given the dude laudanum and morph morphine yep. and alcohol mixed. Exactly. Laudanum. That's probably what they would have given. And that would have just dulled it. He would have still been suffering. Yeah. Suffering. Absolutely. Ugh. Just brutal. Can you imagine, you know, even 100 years before that, it was even worse. Yeah. You, you know, wanna, or, you know, think you got, even 50, you got, 60 you got years. a small cut on your arm. And, 50, 60 years before this, during the Civil War, how much just brutal, oh yeah. brutal stuff that those soldiers had to go through. Oh, yeah. Can't even imagine. Yeah. But, yeah, Nugent died three days after Eitner shot him, Eitner's motive was never clear. After changing his plea from self-defense to guilty to try and get leniency, the judge was not sympathetic, and at the age of 40, Good. Turkey Pete was sentenced to life. Eitner seemed to be a model prisoner and downright liked by everyone, including guards and prisoners alike. Since he was a model prisoner, Eitner was assigned to tend the prison turkeys, and that is how he got his nickname, Turkey Pete. Turkey Pete. Turkey Pete. Took care of the turkeys. He took, yeah. <laughs> I can't even. I can't even imagine that in our modern prison system to have turkeys, yeah, turkeys roaming around. The guy that took care of the turkeys. So yeah, well, they had to feed them somehow. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is you know just the turn of the twentieth century, or you know, I mean, we're two decades in at this point. I don't know. It was still a, it was a also crazy time. The, around the same time of that last pandemic. It's true. Yeah, Spanish flu, it right? Was. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. There was a lot. I mean, in our, my hometown or your hometown, there were still dirt streets back when your grandmother was a kid. Yeah. That's what, you know, yeah. she used to talk, you know, in brick streets in the 1930s and 40s. That doesn't surprise me crazy. at all. Yeah. Small town, upstate New York. Yeah. yeah. It, and it went on, you know, times, you know, it was a long time ago when I think about it. Even when I was. You know, even in the 60s was a while ago. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so. so as Turkey, Turkey Pete aged. What did he do after that? He began to lose some of his mental facilities. And when a man stopped one day to <laughs> admire his turkey, <laughs> Eitner sold him the entire flock of turkeys for 25 cents each. This ended his turkey tending days, but that was okay because he soon fantasized a new job quote-unquote job, as the owner and administrator of the prison. Prison officials... Oh, wow. <laughs> prison officials humored him, allowing Eitner to run the prison from his cell. Fake checks were printed out for him, with which he paid the prison expenses and payroll. 
He would also tell anyone who would listen that he had a coffee crop in Brazil one year, sold pink alligators, ships to the Navy, and grasshopper legs to Fidel Castro. <laughs> so you could see where this guy's mind is at, which makes me think, dementia, you know, baby. well, dementia is one thing, but probably was something wrong with him before. It kind of it kind of points back to nobody really knows his motive of why he killed Joseph Nugent. You're right. He was probably mentally ill, you know, mental health back in 1918, 1919 was pretty much non-existent. Mental health. They just threw you in a or, you know, they were they were starting to do lobotomies and <laughs> and stuff. That was mental health. Yeah. Back then. Shock therapy. You know, this guy probably had some seriously undiagnosed mental health issues, mm-hmm. bipolar or, you know, some kind of schizophrenia or something. Schizophrenic. And that probably mm-hmm. led to why he shot and killed Joseph Nugent. You're right. At least that's my my opinion. You're on the right track there. The the, the layman's opinion <laughs> for well, everybody right. has one, you know. Yep. You know they do. So how long did Turkey Pete live in? How live in that prison? You said like was, forty years. The other guy was. 50? He was there for. Oh my god! He was, he was there for yeah, forty or fifty years. years. So Turkey Pete died in 1967. So he was forty. Yeah, he was 40 when he went in, which was 1918 or 1919. That was 49 years he was there. And died in 1967 at the age of 89. I was born by the time. He was yep, alive you were when two I was years born. old when he died. Whoa. A year and a half, man. Two years, man. Turkey Pete. That's we're on right. The at the same time. Which is crazy to think about, you know, with how many people it have is. lived and died yeah. to be alive at the same time. That's cool. Can you go see a cell? You can. Yep. His cell number one was retired. No other prisoners used his cell in the uh, 12 years that the prison was open after after he died. Really? So there was a funeral held in the William A. Clark Theater, which we've talked about last episode. In the previous podcast. So you'll have to, if you're listening to this, pause this, go back to listen to the other one and come back. All right. If you didn't listen to episode one. Go back and listen to Get back. first part of this Get series. Back. That's right. His funeral was the only one ever held within the walls of the prison. Wow. Today, cell number one displays photos of Turkey Pete, as well as his few belongings. So it's still preserved. Oh, man. I got to go in and tap Turkey Pete's yep. picture, picture and say, hey, I, I was here the same time you were on this planet. I went into his cell back in 2016 when we were driving from Wisconsin out to Washington State. Stopped in Montana. Yeah. Did you hang out? We were, uh, we were walking around. I didn't hang out in the cells too long. They are very small, especially for modern human, modern Americans. Like six by six? I think so. I think they're eight by, by eight, eight, maybe. Yeah. They were very narrow. They might have been, yeah, like eight by six or something like that. Six by eight. I bet they were. Yeah. Dang. It's amazing what the human being can put up with. God, yeah. For 40, 50 years there. Yeah, walking in there, I was I was shocked that people actually had to stay in those cells. Yeah, I've seen that in other places. I've seen other things where I'm like, wow. Yeah. It's amazing what the human spirit will just survive. Well, yeah, you look at all the guys that are that go into submarines. I can't imagine that either. Oh. Uh, no, yeah. thank you. They tried to talk me into that. 
They're like, oh, you'd be great on a submarine. Be, we'll put you on that nuke. You got high scores. I'm like, yeah, no, thank you. I will pass. <laughs> I want to be underwater for six. Yeah. Not six months at a time. Pass, please. Thank you. Be under the water in a tiny metal tube. No, thank you. Oh, no. <laughs> Too much. So even though both men, Turkey Pete and Foley, were in Montana State Prison for murder, neither was considered dangerous. What? Both actually exhibited severe mental illness. Oh. Which we mentioned before. Foley specifically exhibited all the characteristics of a frenzied madman. That's quoted from the article I, I took this from, or one of the articles. It sounds like that, that schizophrenia. Yeah. This is probably what would be described as schizophrenia today, just like you said. Unfortunately for these men, mental illnesses were just not recognized or flat out ignored in their respective days, which they weren't, you know, they weren't separated by too much. Well, you know what? Even for someone like me or Pam's age, that was a thing still when we were growing up. It was ignored largely. You couldn't you couldn't admit in the 60s and 70s. I mean. Honestly, 70s, 80s, we are so last, far behind. It's really, the last, it's really the last 20 or 25 years that people really, yep. not even more so than the last 10, that, you know, there's less and less. I mean, that we've made some advances in mental health, last 10 or 15. But yeah, it feels like the last 30 plus years. We've gotten we've, way better in the last 50 years, that's for sure. We've at least recognized these illnesses as they, they did. are and not just and ignoring just, them. Right. Hopefully we, we have a long way to go, but we're getting there. Oh, yeah. We are still very, very rudimentary in our understanding of mental illness in the brain in general. So hopefully yeah. someday we will. I was going to say we'll have those things like a uh, doctor on Star Trek had and just scan me and it's like, oh, that's what's wrong with them. You're fixed. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you, you go into like a little pod and it, it just heals yeah. you. It just the yeah. machine just fixes you Memories. up. Oh, 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 you got a little cancer starting there. Give me five minutes. <laughs> you know, you know, exactly. That's going to happen. Yep. I think we could do that. I think we can someday. Well, if we don't kill ourselves first. Well, Mother Nature will get us before that. Mother Nature is going to win. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean is. Yeah, that's. But that's for a different podcast. That's, that's a, all, that for a much different podcast. Pandemics and climate change and all that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> Boy, you get me all fired nope. up. Yeah, there. that is a very different podcast. <laughs> but yeah, so mental illnesses in these times were just straight up ignored most of the time. And although Warm Springs, a psychiatric hospital not far from the prison, was open for two years by the time Foley was sent to prison, and he was sent to prison in 1878, 1879, mm. Mm. and Warm Springs, just a few miles down the road, had been open for two years at that point. Foley was never sent there for evaluation, mm. even though he exhibited, like I said, very clear signs of mental illness. Well, the problem with that, and this is from, you know, I've done a lot of research because of my new job about the way things were back in those that stretch of time. Human beings were terrified of science at that point. Still, a lot, most people. Yeah. It was, it was, it That's was like magic. So psychiatry was more like witchcraft. Yeah, you know, That's true. So, That's so, sad but true. That's just the way it was, you know. So it's not yeah. because those guys, they just weren't aware. The guys that were in charge of this guys that there there was a, there was a, maybe a solution. It wasn't something that would ever cross their mind. That's just how he is, and yeah. that's how he's going to be. And here, this is where he's going to live. That's the way it is. Right. Yeah. It was more yeah. just you know, it was more black and white. Oh, this guy committed murder. He's in prison. Boom. 
It's he's yeah, in prison. That's well, it was not just, just how it was. Just the fact they couldn't let a, a person like that out in the streets. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Warm Springs was a psychiatric hospital, though, is what I mean. Is where down the road that just opened, those guys at that prison would not have trusted the doctors. You know what I'm saying? That's That's, there's definitely something to that. There's still hey, there's something to it because it still happens. That's yeah, that's very true. It still happens. (laughs) That is very true. People don't want to believe medicine or psychiatric stuff. Okay. Yeah, sad, sad but true. Yeah, that's just my two cents. I mean, both of these guys would have greatly benefited they from some psychiatric would. care and modern medicine instead of being locked away in a in a prison like like that. So much of your life can depend on the area you're born in. A lot yeah. of it is as too true. And, you know, Turkey Pete, especially, it's just it kind of says something about he seemed to thrive in prison because he needed that structure in his life. And, right. you know, there are a lot of people that are like that that just. They just kind of get up at the same time, in. eat at the same time, have all that structure. Yep, you're right. Yep. Hey, you're going to bed exactly. at the time. And everything is, you know, they don't have to worry about anything. Right, right. Hey, this they is don't have to worry stuff. about mortgages or rent or bills or anything like that. They're just, they work during the day. They work, they eat, they sleep, they laugh, they go to sleep. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of solace in that. There's some solace in that. There really is. Yeah. You find a place that there you're is. comfortable. Even, you know, Absolutely. No, we can't say it was easy and that they enjoyed it, though. I can't imagine that. Oh, no. No, I mean, this place, well, <laughs> the more we get into it, if you listen to part one and you're listening now, this place is not a great place to be. All right. Let's find out <laughs> how wonderful things were. But we're going to get into our, our third oh, we've got prisoner that we'll talk about today. Thomas O'Brien in 1902. An inmate named Thomas O'Brien, who was one of Conley's trustees, is what Conley would call his his trusted prisoners. Yep, they still do. In stable boss of a barn outside the walls of the prison. And again, go back to part one. I'll keep harping on that. We talked about Conley and how he liked to send prisoners outside the wall for for work. Mm-hmm. He was getting paid. Well, because he was making some money. <laughs> But yeah, so as a trustworthy prisoner, O'Brien had freedom around the prison and obviously worked outside the walls. He would wind up drugging Conley's hunting dogs, who were also used for tracking down escaped convicts, stole Conley's prized racehorse, and escaped. O'Brien would end up leaving the horse bridled, the headgear which a horse is governed and which carries a bit and reins. I had to look up what a bridle was. That's <laughs> how little I know about horses. <laughs> so it's the headgear that the horse wears. Right. To be able to steer them. So he left the horse, the bridle, and saddle in a nearby pasture, all the while disappearing for 18 days, after which he would turn himself in. This incident brought a flood of publicity to the Deer Lodge facility. Because mm. people love a juicy story. Man, like kindly let that guy out of prison. Times have not changed. Yeah, and then he look <laughs> what he did, man. Well, you just think about it. I mean, how was there not a movie made about this guy and this escape? <laughs> you know, there was. Brother, where? <laughs> <laughs> he's that. Uh, he's uh, the John Turturro character. <laughs> 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 That's what they based it on. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> this is not supposed to be a comedy. I'm sorry. I'm not the right guy for this. Right nope. Now. Nope. This is supposed to be entertaining. Yeah, exactly. It will be a little creepy. Oh, it will be. We'll get there. So the next prisoner we'll talk about is our first female prisoner. Not first. Not the only one that was ever there. Not first ever female prisoner, but the one, first one on our list. So this is the only one we'll talk about, actually. Um, her name is Bessie Fisher. Uh-oh. She was convicted of second-degree murder in 1901, so mm-hmm. just a year before Thomas O'Brien was convicted and sentenced to Deer Lodge. Or, sorry, it was a year before the escape by Thomas O'Brien. Okay. That she was convicted of murder. And she was sentenced to 20 years at Deer Lodge. Ooh. On a Sunday morning in May 1901, the 19-year-old Bessie walked down to the Owl, a lodging house in the seedy part of Butte, after a night of drinking. Okay. She was going to confront W.H. Malone, who was her quote-unquote secretary, which was the uh, nickname... For a pimp at the time. So she was the lady of the night. Or something. <laughs> she, yep. Apparently Malone had taken $10 from her the night before while the two partied together and she was going to confront him about it. Mm-mm. She brought a gun with her intent on scaring Malone into giving her the money back. She knocked on Malone's door, but he was not alone. Cassie Big Ava Fry was with him. Uh-oh. After Big Ava heard that Bessie and Malone had partied the night before together, she flew into a jealous rage and lunged at Bessie. Big Ava was not just a nickname. She was a large woman. <laughs> at almost six foot tall and weighing well over 200 pounds, she dwarfed Bessie, who was closer to five foot tall and weighed less than 100 pounds. Uh-oh. So Bessie fired her gun and Ava never regained consciousness. That's, you know what? Self-defense. I would say so. Absolutely. But different times. If I had a 300 guy ago. coming at me and I had a gun, I dropped the gun and kick him. No. <laughs> <laughs> kick him in the knee. I'm not trying to shoot somebody. No, no. But still, you know. If they were armed, that's a different story. Different times. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I would in a, maybe I would in a drunken rage. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. I mean, if they were partying, if Ava was a little mm-hmm. bit tipsy or. Everybody was drinking. Right. And jealous. They were, I guess they were horny back then, too. <laughs> Thank God they were, right? None of us would be here. Times definitely have not changed. <laughs> <laughs> but in the trial, the prosecution took jurors to the undertaking parlor to view Ava's body, while her crib row co-workers wept over her body. Apparently, these displays of sympathy swayed the all-male jury despite the coroner's corroborating testimony of self-defense. The jury convicted Bessie of murder in the second degree. Mm -mm. Since she was a mulatto woman with a morphine addiction and a prostitute, it seems like the jury convicted her before the trial even started. She entered Deer Lodge on June 2nd, 1901. You know what? I don't, you know, come on. I think she was railroaded. Absolutely. It was, you know, it seems like from the story, it was... Very much self-defense. Again, you know, shooting somebody and, you know, with the recent news in this country. Yeah, just 20 years for that, you know, and it was, you know, a lot of it had to do with her being a mulatto more than anything. That and a, Yeah, and absolutely. All three of those. Being a different skin color and prostitute. And, 
and a prostitute. And they're like, okay, get her. There's another one. We got to get off the streets. That's what prison exactly really has become. And that's sad. Oh, we got to get them off the streets rather than help them. Exactly. Yeah. It's instead of being a rehabilitation center, which it was for like 10,000 years or more. (laughs) That's what we did. That's what it should still be. Yeah. But once, once prisons become big business, that all changes. Well, it's crazy. It is. They've never rehabilitated. No, absolutely not. It's just they get put into a system and they can never escape it. It's just a cycle. But again, we're not going down that path. <laughs> we're going to try to keep it a little bit lighter. Okay. So Bessie's trial was big news in the state of Montana and especially in the city of Butte. It was covered in excruciating detail by the Butte miner, just loving the high drama that came with the case. Bessie served half her sentence, which is much longer than she should have served with good behavior. At the time of her arrival at the prison, women were not allowed out of their cells. Oh my, she stayed in that cell for 10 years? Yeah. Yep. (sighs) This was in the time of Warden Conley, and although he believed in hard labor for prisoners, this did not apply to women. In the years that Bessie was at the prison... Conditions for women only slightly improved with the construction of the women's facility in 1908, which we discussed in part one. That's right, we did. We should keep count of how many times I say that. (laughs) It's going to come up a lot. Yeah, so there was a construction of the women's facility in 1908. So while she was there, it was about seven, six, seven years into her sentence. They built the women's facility. This was a marginal improvement as the women could at least walk outside of their cells. But did not afford the same exercise and yard space of the men's portion of the prison. Yeah, like you said, she spent basically... Seven, eight years in prison. Well, she spent six or seven years in her cell. In her cell. Not being able to leave her cell. Oh, man. And then she spent the last two or three years of her sentence, or three or four years, in only a slightly better situation. So she got out in like 19... uh, After 10 years, though. It was roughly 10 years, 10 or 11 years. So it was like 1911. Do we know what happened to her? No, there wasn't a lot of information about her after she left prison. Okay. Because she was only 19 when this all happened. So she would have been... She might have been 30 when she got out. Right. So still... A lot of, well, <laughs> I don't know, back in early 20th century, maybe. She might have left till she was 50. Lived till 40. <laughs> maybe 50. Right. Yeah, Bessie Fisher. I just wonder because we have some Bessies in our family. Not Fishers, though. Okay. <laughs> Dang it! No, First they, names they wouldn't be. They weren't Montana people. Pennsylvania, New York. Right. So the next prisoner we'll talk about, his name is Larry Cheadle. Cheadle. Cheadle, yep. Just like the actor. Just like Don. Like Don Don Cheadle. Like Don. Except Larry Cheadle. Larry. He was first brought to the prison on January 2nd, 1961. Oh, almost modern time. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I would say that's modern times, 50-some years ago. Or 60 60. years ago now. 60 years ago now. Crazy. (laughs) But still, more modern than 1901, I'd say. (laughs) Oh, the same amount of time passed from when Bessie Fisher went into Montana State Prison to when Larry Cheadle went in to now. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Perspective. So he was serving a three-year sentence for burglary. In August of that year, he would escape the prison for one whole day. The following year, 1962, he would be sent to Warm Springs Mental Hospital for a stint. Hey! 
<laughs> yes, somebody finally getting sent hey! to the psychiatric hospital. Took 60 years. <laughs> <laughs> he later returned to the prison, and on Halloween morning, 1966, Larry Cheadle was put in the quote-unquote hole located under the administration building. The day before my first birthday. Yep. Whoa. Okay. Larry? He was put in the hole located under the administration building. So there are two different holes at this prison. One is the worst one is underneath the administration building. And I think there's one underneath the, the cell house as well. Oh, but this was the bad one. This was the worst one of the two. Right. This was said to be far worse than the one located under the 1912 cell block, which given that name because it was built in 1912, they weren't that creative back then. don't need to be keep it simple so he was put in the hole on 1960 or in 1966 halloween morning later that day he would be found dead in this hole he didn't make it to my first birthday he did not i'm trying not to laugh that's no no cake in (laughs) no no super sad the day before on the morning before and then he didn't even make it to my oh larry nope Rest in peace, Larry. This has brought widespread speculation about the cause of death is Larry had a known heart murmur. Oh, a heart murmur is again. Well, you don't know the conditions of this. Heart murmur could be a big issue if you're talking about Montana summers being stuck in a, a hole. Oh, my, even the inmates at the time blamed it on the guards beating him to death as there were bloodstains on the mattress. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. This didn't prove anything, though, as the bloodstains could have been from someone else, since so many people spent time in the, the hole, this specific hole. Well, why the heck didn't they run some DNA? Oh, yeah. Because we had that yet. It's 1966. <laughs> the mattress was never tested and was just burned. Yeah, of course. Guards in the warden at this time claimed that it was common practice to burn, burn the mattresses. I'm sure it was. So you don't want to be because you don't want to be spreading any. Well, it's funny that, you know, this instance that they burn it. But I feel like there's so many unsanitary conditions in this prison that, (laughs) you know, this one specific thing is. Also covering somebody's ass, covering asses. Right. We'll see why a public opinion seems to lean towards the hole being too hot and Larry simply overheating. Coroner's report seems to help this theory. How hot would it be on October 31st in Montana? I don't know. That's a good question. Because, you know, being at the foothills of the mountains, it... I don't know. I've never been there. I don't know. The coroner's report seems to help this theory of overheating, as it is said Larry's organs and body were much warmer than a cadaver dead that long should be. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. So, you know, that seems to be the prevailing theory, is he just overheated, but... The guards claim that Larry probably snuck chloral hydrate tablets in a body cavity and committed suicide. The coroner's report said that there were no drugs in Larry's system at the time of death, however. Yeah. The truth probably lies somewhere between the three theories, and unfortunately, we will never know the real truth. If we only knew Larry, and if we knew Larry, we would care. No, wait. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) No, we still care. We care. We care. But Larry, 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 that's no way to go. No, that's, and I feel like a lot of people probably went this way, unfortunately. How many do you think went, you know, so here, I I looked it up, Butte, Montana weather, Larry, for October 31st. 
anywhere from 62 to 48 degrees, rarely falling below 33 or exceeding 75. Hmm. That, you don't know. I don't know. If it's in the direct sun and it's a metal cover, you know, you can cook them. Or, you know, it just happened to be, you know, a 90 degree day. Just abnormally, yeah, a hot day in October. Those folks back then would know more than we would. So why am I questioning it? They were there. Yeah. Right. I don't know. You know, Cheadle's death has become an example used in training of Montana's correctional personnel. Seems like a senseless death, but at least they were able to try to learn from it and teach people how to avoid it. That kind of thing drives me crazy, though. Wouldn't you think that somebody by this time in our history that you would know not to bury a freaking dude in a hole? That it may not be a good thing. You would think by the 60s. Or even by our time. Let's say, why do, why do they have to train people not to do that? <laughs> you don't have much. You know. <laughs> you know what? I, I don't know. You're not exactly taking the cream of the crop to go to correctional facilities and work. Is that what it is? No, that's that's very true. I think we. You guys do this for a living. I don't know. Would would I have to train you not to put a guy in a hole if you're a correctional facility guy? Yeah. And you're working there right now, listening to this podcast. Do you need to be trained not to put a guy in a hole? That it might be a good, a bad thing. Yeah. Reach out. Reach out and let us if know. You... Let us know. Interact. Yeah. If you work in correctional facility, if you're a, a guard or I'm probably full of shit, you know, I probably am, but you know, I don't know what I'm talking about, but to me, that's common sense. Yeah. I'm working in there and they, uh, my boss says, put that guy in that hole. Uh, no, I'm like, I'm not going to, well, again, I don't know the punishment that you could probably get, but then I'm not there. You know what I'm not? I don't know. I don't know. But I just think that they have to still train people to do that. Says a lot. Says a lot. It does. You know, I mean, what they were probably trained to do was probably not good. Most of it. And treating these people less than human. Yeah. So throwing them in a hole wasn't a big deal for them. No. And that's part of the problem. It's been in, it's been ingrained in the system all these hundreds of 150, 200 years. It's still in our prison yep. systems. There's still people like that. Exactly. That's the problem. Yeah. That is a big problem. And I'm not afraid to speak my mind, obviously. <laughs> good we need that uh good i'm gonna try to add some levity but i can, I can be a little serious too <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i mean it's that fine line of you know trying to keep it light and trying to be respectful of people and even though you know they're in prison and some of these guys did some pretty horrible stuff doesn't mean you have to yeah still try to treat it with respect then again you have some crazy prisoner coming at you day after day is in your face, blah, 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 blah. You don't know. You haven't lived it. So I can't talk as a correctional facility guy. Me either. But that would be a stress level that I wouldn't want. Exactly. And, you know, I may throw the guy in a hole, too. <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I was just as human as the rest of you. Exactly. So next week or next time, we're going to talk a little bit more about Montana State Prison? We have something else going on. Yep. We got some more stuff. We're going to go part three of Old Montana Prison. But as you can start to gather over the last couple of episodes, Old Montana Prison was not a fun place to be. With so little space and so few amenities for prisoners, you can imagine the kind of lives these men and women had inside these walls. This caused tension and disdain among some of the more ruthless inmates. Next week, we'll get into some of the more gruesome and bloody stories that happen within the prison walls. Oh, yeah. We're going to cover some nasty stuff on the next episode. All right. I want to I do some of the descriptions. 
<laughs> Absolutely. We could do that. <laughs> that's so that's awesome. going to wrap up part two of Old Montana Prison. Thank you all for listening today and join us next time for part three of the Old Montana Prison series. Yeah. Thanks, Dad, for helping in hosting. Well, you're welcome, Sonny Boy. And bringing a little levity to this this dark subject. Um, I'm trying. I just I'm just having fun talking to my boy and talking about stuff that I didn't know about. It's Absolutely. Fun. Or just a couple right. of dudes, a couple of dudes, right. just booze and brews. Yeah, drinking some <laughs> beers, having some fun. 